afternoon, Connect. How's everybody doing? Good? Praise the Lord. My name is Pastor Derek, if you don't know who I am, and I want to welcome you to Connect today for our fourth service of the day. Uh, we have two locations, if you're not familiar, one in Framingham, which apparently they had a great service at 10 a.m. this morning. And uh, this is the third one this morning, and I'm really, um, you know, I, I, to be completely honest, can I be honest with the church here this morning? I wasn't going to preach this service because I'm on zero sleep. My uh, my daughter just had a, a baby, and we were at the. I was I went I went to bed very late last night. We were at the hospital till two thirty in the morning, and um, and I get up real early for, for days like this. But uh, you know, I came out and worship. I said I I, I got to be with the people today, so I'm I'm here for the love, amen. So I hope that uh, you guys will talk back at me and and keep me in the game and. Uh, and I'm going to give you my best. Uh, it's not fumes, but it will be adrenaline. Praise the Lord. And a lot of caffeine. <laughs> Amen. Well, um, I just want to, uh, again, welcome you guys. We're in a series entitled The Tree of Life. And uh, before I get into that, I want to give you a kind of an update on what's coming up. On July 29th, we have a unique service, a special service um, a lot going on in this service. So we have a baby dedication and water baptism. We as a church bundle those together. Believe it or not, we see a connection and a correlation. So some people were raised and taught uh, and practiced infant baptism, and we have no quarrel, qualm, or issue with that. But we want you to see what the Bible teaches, which is called believer's baptism, baptism by immersion. And a person kind of knows what they're doing. It's a cognitive decision versus a child has no idea what they're doing. So sometimes we call it infant baptism when really it's a baby dedication. It's a parent dedicating a child unto the Lord. And so we do that. And then we encourage water baptism by immersion for people who know what they're doing as a sign of obedience. Jesus was baptized. And so we do it as a sign of obedience as well. So that's coming up on that day. Matter of fact, we're not baptizing people in the auditorium, we're baptizing people outside on that day because we're having a lot going on that day. So there's going to be a ton of people getting water baptized. If you're interested, you can just go to our website, weconnect.cc. There's an opportunity to connect or apply there. And then also at Guest Central. If you've got questions about baby dedication, water baptism, just go to Guest Central, either location and or our website, and there's information on how to do that. It's going to be an awesome day. In addition, it's the culmination of our Vacation Bible Bash. So we have... Uh, it's like a school, like a ministry for kids. The whole week, every single day, there are children, little chitlins running around downstairs, learning about Jesus, loving on Jesus, bringing their friends uh, to uh, this uh, free event, free uh, multi-day event. And then the final day, all the kids come here uh, on Sunday, and they perform. And so the, the morning services, uh, all the services in both locations, there'll be children I think the first song or something like that, they'll be actually uh, leading us in praise and worship on that day. So there'll be kids, things going on uh, inside. There's a baby dedication taking place in every service that morning. There's baptisms going on outside. And then there's a whole kind of Sunday fun day, and so there'll be like games and uh, just water and, and, I don't know, just hoses and balloons and, and, and sugar. And so there's just going to be a lot of that on that day. So parents, just prepare yourself. It's a yes day. Uh, your kids are going to be high-octane children for the day and take a nap on Saturday. Praise the Lord. So that's my announcement about the baby dedication baptism Sunday. Fun day. Does everybody get it? Amen? It's going to be so fun. Today's message is entitled Relationship with God. And so this is the fourth installment of our series, The Tree of Life. 
how many been here for the whole series, Tree of Life? Been here for the whole series? All right. You guys are all going to get a sticker on your way out today uh, for perfect attendance. That's amazing. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But um, there was one particular message in the series that was critical um, for you, if you call yourself, uh, if, you, if you say this is your home church, uh, you can use whatever language you want. Uh, we call it spiritual family. Um, you might see yourself as kind of, I call them frequent flyers, people who just kind of, they may identify to a friend, this is your church, but it's not yet. You haven't kind of made that kind of all-in commitment, and that's cool. We, we make room for that. But if this is the church you call home, this actually is a place you're a member of. That first message, I'm begging you to listen to that message because it kind of tells a lot of our, our approach to ministry, our philosophy of ministry, uh, and, and it kind of explains the difference. Uh, the reason for that is because we can see this in Genesis and Revelation and Galatians. There are two brands of Christianity that are often promoted out there. And, and in Genesis, uh, there's a story after the creation story. There's a creation story, and then right after that, there's a story about two trees in the Garden of Eden. One of those trees is referred to as the tree of life, and the other uh, tree is referred to as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And those trees, I believe personally, you can have a different uh, view on, uh, on the scriptures and, and their uh, inerrancy, but I believe those two trees are literal, but I also believe they were symbolic. Those two trees are symbolic of a, uh, of a worldview and of a God view. And so it, you can look at your relationship with God and your approach, and you can look at your worldview through a lens of life and relationship, or, and, and, or you can look at it through rules and through works and through human effort. Those with those two trees, and we talked about that in week one, um, and how important it is to uh, have a relationship with God vertically and a relationship with people horizontally that's coming through this tree of life. And we see, again, this symbol in Genesis and also in Revelation. Uh, and Paul really unpacks what it looks like to live in the tree of life or to have a, we call it, being life-giving. So you'll hear that if you're at Connect for any period of time. We're not the only people that believe this or teach this, so please don't think we have some, you know, market on this, on this uh, message. Um, but you'll hear this term life-giving. We're a life-giving church. We, we want people to walk away feeling like they were built up, not, not, not burned down. We want, we want people to feel like they were set free, not they got more bondage and, and a ball and chain on them. We want people to walk away, you know, feeling lighter, not heavier. Does anybody, is everybody, and so that's what it means to be life-giving, how we address people, uh, how we look at sin, other people's sin, and our own sin. That view is going to come through a lens of, the tree of life, or it can come through the lens of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Jesus uh, modeled the, a life-giving uh, view when he saw the prostitute who was uh, caught in the act, uh, the woman, excuse me, who was caught in the act of adultery, and all the people were judging her. All the people wanted to stone her in John chapter 8, and he says, woman, who judges you now? His life-giving message was, uh, uh, you know, uh, neither do I. She says, no one, Lord. He says, neither do I. His first message was life. His first message was mercy. His first message was acceptance. That's tree of life. Tree of knowledge uh, of good and evil would say, you know, she should be stoned. The law says she should, she should be stoned. You know, what do you say? That's what the religious and the Pharisees were trying to get her to do. Everybody kind of see a picture of the two trees. So that's what that was. Week two, when we talked about this, we, we talked about the tendency for us 
though we want to live in the tree of life, we have a tendency to swing over very quickly, very easily to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, I believe like monkeys, we, we can swing from one tree to another like that. We can be in church singing our kumbayas. We can be in small group eating our Doritos. We can be praising the Lord in church. And then 20 seconds after we get out onto Route 9, we're cursing the same people that God loves, right? And the Bible says blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth according to the book of James. Why does that happen? Because we can. I think there's a vine between those two trees. And so in week two, we learned that there's a secret to staying in the tree of life, to being and maintaining a life-giving nature, and that secret is the crucified life. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's this crucified life, and we talked about three different things and kind of a fil- filters for living that crucified life. Not a popular message, but a critical and essential. When I say not popular, like you're not going to, you know, share this with your friends all over Facebook. But if you're a Christian and you want to maintain an open book with God, you're going to have to retain some of that information and apply it to your life. Because the crucified life is the secret to living in the tree of life. Does that make sense to everybody out there? And then last week, everybody getting something out of this review? Okay, so last week we talked about grace. Paul interrupts his, his, his kind of uh, doctrinal you know, pathway to all of us, and he says, I'm not sure all you guys get it. I'm not, and, I, and I think that's true today in our church, I, in our church at large. I think that we can be in church a long time, and we can forget or never got a clear understanding or revelation of grace. Grace is the fuel for your faith. Grace is is what empowers you to be able to live a, life, a life-giving, uh, not life-taking uh, life. It, it, it enables you to be able to overcome uh, sin and, and temptation and some of the problems that are going on in our life. And so we talked a lot about grace. Paul explains that incredibly well. Critical message last week, a real clear understanding of the gospel, and some of that will show up in today. And today, everybody say today. This is a very important truth um, I think it kind of encompasses all the things I've already said. Uh, for me, this is kind of a life message. Um, it's a message that I can, I can't, it's more caught than taught. I know I say that sometimes, but it would be something you'd see more than you'd say. I, I don't, I'm not sure I can really teach it that great. Uh, it's a great advertisement for the rest of the message. I understand that. Uh, you're going to have to just open up your hearts and ears. Uh, some of you in the first, I actually had several people in the last service at the door say, first 15 minutes I didn't get where you're going. Then I got where you're going. And so I'm just going to tell you, uh, some of you, it'll come quick. Some of you heard this terminology before. But um, I, I, need you to, I need you to open up your hearts today because this message that I'm going to give you can change your life. It can change your experience uh, with God and with other people. It can change your marriage. It can change your family and, and the dynamics with your family. It can definitely change what's happening in the local church. Can I have an amen? And so here's the big idea. Write this down if you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down. God never intended to be a religion. He intended to be in relationship with you. Okay, so he didn't come from heaven to earth as a person to bring a religion to us, he wanted to be in relationship. So this is about relationship with God. And a term that the Bible uses to, to identify what relationship with God looks like is a term called sonship. Sons, daughters, you could say, sonship. In fact, when you'll see this term sons a lot. Don't think of it, ladies, in terms of gender specific, okay? This, is more, this term is more about a mindset or an attitude, 
Everybody still awake here at the 1215 service? Okay. And so this term sonship is used over and over again, and it, it really kind of describes a, a, one of the mysteries of the faith. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, the Bible tells us, For you are all, all of you are sons of God. Men, women, boys, girls, we're all sons of God. Again, don't get offended. We're talking about sons. The Bible, ladies, calls men the bride of Christ, so don't get hurt. Turn your neighbor and say, that was funny. He sees, I'm warming up here. I'm warming up. Okay. All right. So, so this term sonship, is, it's, it's a, it, it could be considered a mindset. I like to call it it's a spirit that you have. It's a spirit that's on you. It's a spirit that kind of emanates from, with, from within you. In Galatians chapter 4, let's try to unpack it a little bit. Paul's talking and he says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. So he gave, he gave you a person, not a religion. It's faith-based through Jesus. Born of a woman. Uh, he needed to do that. Born under the law. Why? Because he had to fulfill it to redeem those that were under that law. That we might, and this is key here, receive adoption. You everybody see that language there? Receive adoption uh, as uh, to, to sonship. So, so some of you, in order to get this relationship thing right with God, you need to experience a miracle, a miracle of adoption. Just, just think through the terms of adoption. What would it be like, you know, you were on the outside, but then you were pulled and you were taken and you were, you were received, you know? You, 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 got a, you got a family, but you got certain uh, benefits. You got certain, um, you know, perks with that. Uh, this, the, spirit of, uh, uh, the spirit of adoption, it says because, it goes on to say, because you are his sons, uh, God sent, because you are his sons, by the way, God sent the spirit of his son, so you can see this. This is not an idea. This is a spirit. It's something that happens in your hearts. It's the spirit of the son, the spirit of sonship, okay? And you need this inside of you. Uh, so God sent the spirit of his son, the spirit who calls out. One translation says cries out, Abba, Father. Now, he's, he's using terminology that is not religious, but highly relational. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But that, that kind of term, Abba, Father, they didn't see God like that. They saw God as big, large, and in charge, angry, Abraham, or, or like Lincoln Memorial, you know, uh, Zeus in heaven uh, kind of a, a God. And, he's, and so he's, I think, and, and distant and far away. And I think that notion still exists in our hearts today, in the church of Jesus Christ today, and in religion today. And so God is coming right into that with the word and just saying, I want you to cry out to a, to a daddy. I want you to call out to an Abba Father. I want you to receive, because you already got grace, we talked about that last week, now you're going to receive a spirit of adoption. Again, big stuff, hang on. So some of you may not understand this, but it'll, it'll come clear. So you are no longer a slave, the Bible says. Um, I want to get to this verse. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, um, God made you also an heir. And we'll talk about what it means to be an heir in just a few minutes. So chances are you don't understand what I'm talking about. So let me try to make some contrast for you so you can see what sons of God or sonship looks like, okay? And so what's the difference? Well, let me give you a contrast. Uh, the opposite of a son is a slave, and the slave has a master. 
The slave has a master. A master is always right and usually always angry. When you, have a, and when you think of a picture of a master versus a slave, you'll always see a slave approaching the master like this. Like, oh, you know, don't hurt me. Don't, uh, you know, I'm so sorry. Oh, go, oh, wise one. Oh, oh, ooh. You know, like it's a very different approach when you're a slave coming to a master. Jab your neighbor and say, uh, I'm awake for this. Come on, jab your neighbor. All right. Okay, so you're kind of like, be nice to me, don't hurt me. That's kind of the approach. In fact, this creeps into our prayer life. It creeps into our devotion. It creeps into our churches. It creeps into our meetings. One church in Mexico, for example, this this is a literal example, people were walking on their knees. They walk on their knees to go to church from miles away. And they leave a blood trail. This is a true, you can look it up. They leave a blood trail from all these different streets on the way to church as a sign of respect and reverence to their master and savior, Jesus Christ. And I just want you to know something. That is not the spirit of sonship in the Bible. God does not want you to have that approach or that view of God. Is everybody tracking with me? Okay, and so what he wants us to have, he wants us to see the son has a father. So the term father is very familial, it's very relational, it is very uh, connected. It, yes, you, you can have a fear of God, but you're not afraid of God. Fear of God, the fear of the Lord is a reverence, it's an awe, it's a respect for the office of the title and position that the father and the responsibility he holds. But at the same time, you can have a very close bond and connection and you can approach and be intimate with your Abba Father. Does that make sense to everybody out there? Jesus modeled this on earth. Jesus, when he came to earth, uh, he didn't have to uh, do things to try to get people to come to him. People were naturally, attra- he was an attractional magnet. He didn't have to go, you know, uh, down by the sea, you know, down by the, 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 the seashore and say, hey, I'm going to have a meeting tonight. I'm passing out these flyers. I'm going to be speaking down by the Sea of Galilee. You guys should come check me out. Hey, share this online if you could. It'd be great. Like, he didn't have to do that. Everybody wanted to hear Jesus preach. Kids, kids, before he was flogged, he was flocked to. And kids were, he was a kid magnet. The Bible actually records that they'd have to pull the kids off of him. Pick Paul, Jesus, ah! you know what I'm saying? Like, what kind of a person would you have to be where you have to like, okay, kids, come on, come on, come on, leave Jesus alone. Jesus has got to go. He's got to go speak down the Sea of Galilee. There's like a few thousand people there. He's got to go. Come on, kids, come on. No, no, we want to play with Jesus. I think Jesus was like passing out candy. Woo! You know, he's just like bubble gum and pixie sticks and just throwing stuff out and he's telling stories and he's going through the crowd and he's tickling kids and he's kissing little kids on the neck and he's telling them stories and telling them how special they are. See, we need to see God right. And sometimes we're seeing him through the lens of a slave and not through the lens of a son. And so Galatians talks about this concept, but so does Romans. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, the spirit you received, so look at this, the spirit you received, that means you can receive this. This sonship thing I'm talking about, you can receive it. It's a spirit, it's an attitude, it's a mindset. You can receive, say, I can receive that. Tell God, say, I want that spirit, okay? All right, so you can receive this spirit. It does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Uh, You can tell if you're a slave, by the way, if you fear God. You, you can tell, so there's litmus tests to tell if you're operating in, in the lane of a slave or as a son. 
This, and again, these are mentalities more than roles. These are attitudes more than roles. Rather, the spirit you received uh, brought, what's it say there? The spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship. And it says, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. That means, in, the, in Aramaic, that means daddy, daddy. This was a mind-blowing term for Paul to use because they didn't look at God like this. You wouldn't say, Dad. You wouldn't call God Dad. See, my kids, they call me Daddy, or they call me Dad, or, or my son, he'll call me Pops. Fist pump. What's up, Pops? You know, high fives, bear hugs, you know, things like that. Because it's an intimate term. He, Paul was, was uh, trying to draw some distinctions here and make something definitively clear. He says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that spirit that you can receive, comes from God and testifies with the spirit we've received by grace that we are his children. And we're going to talk about what that means to be a child of God because sometimes I don't think we understand that. But, but for now, you can always tell, you might want to write this down, you can always tell what kind of relationship you have by what you call him, by what you call someone. You can tell what kind of relationship you have by what you call someone, by what, how you name that person. How do you talk to God when you pray? Do you call him dad? Do you call him, or do you call him master, lord, king, father? And again, those terms aren't bad, but, but I think Jesus, and I think through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul, excuse me, is trying to instruct us to, that what you call him reveals your relationship. I was at the airport not too long ago, and a man uh, came up to me and said, uh, good evening, Reverend Fry." Now, I knew right away he knew of me, but he didn't know me. Is everybody tracking with me? See, what you call someone reveals your relationship. See, in church here, if you've been here any length of time, everybody calls me Pastor Derek. Uh, if, you, if, you're, if there's some kind of connection at all um, through, through time and exposure or through personal connection, people call me PD. Now, PD has a, in fact, I introduced myself that way because I'm trying to condition people. I'm not better than you. I just have more responsibility spiritually than you. In fact, if, if, if it wasn't for responsibility, I'd stand on the, in, in, in visibility, I'd stand on the floor because I'm not higher than you. I have to go to God the same way you do. I have to approach, I have to come before his throne of grace just like you do. I have to repent to God just like you do. I'm just held more accountable for what I say than you, which gives me more authority, hopefully, in your life. More responsibility should mean more authority. Does that make sense? But I use the word PD. I just threw, threw in a lot there. Hopefully you guys process that. But PD is a, it says respect the office, but an affectionate, a term, uh, an endearing term. It says there's a relationship. Now, some of the young people here, like my CLA students or people that I've known since they, like I'm seeing Danielle, I've known her since she was just this high. Uh, they'll call me, they might call me Papa D, you know? And, and so it's because it, it reveals the relationship. God's looking at that, and, and he wants to have that. He wants to endear you to himself as well. And so here's what, here's kind of what, the way, the way uh, you, what you call someone determines your relationship. Here's another differentiation. Hopefully this helps you a little bit. The son, uh, the, excuse me, the slave is an employee. The slave is an employee. Now, you could always tell if someone's an employee and, and this is dealing with attitudes, okay? Uh, if, you, if you lead people, if you manage people, if you're a boss of any kind, you don't want an employee, do you? Because you want an owner. An o- now, they may be technically an employee on payroll, but you want an ownership mentality of anybody that's working with you, or f- right? Versus for you. It's different. It's different. And occasionally, for example, in the ministry, I will crack down 
uh, uh, what I call stewardship issues. And I just wired this way. I get it from my father, my mother. It's a generational thing. And, and I'll walk through the facility, especially the church. There's other properties that we have uh, that are maintained differently. But this one has more volunteers in it and more people in it. And, and, and so sometimes I'm frustrated because things aren't taken care of. In fact, just this morning, I was here early, and I was going through, uh, you know, different rooms. I went through one of the bathrooms, and there was no soap in the boys' room downstairs. And I came up here. There was no soap and so- soap. And so I'm trying to find soap. So, so you might laugh, but I'm like, uh, here I am. I'm taking, like, 15 minutes, you know, precious time. I'm finding soap. You know what I mean? Uh, you can find me in the bathroom on a Sunday morning. Hopefully, you don't find me in the bathroom. But those of you who go into the bathroom, uh, you find me in the bathroom, and, and as soon as I'm done washing my hands, I take paper towels, and I just kind of wipe down the countertops. And why am I doing that? Because I'm an employee? No, I'm doing it because I'm a son. This, is, this, is, this isn't just God's house. This is, this is my house. I'm, I'm part of this whole thing. Does that make sense? I'm trying to get you to see the difference between kind of an, an employee and a, a slave and a son. And the, the, an employee behaves differently. If you go to a restaurant, I was recently at a restaurant. I was taking John and Helen Burns to a restaurant, our speakers from a couple of weeks ago, taking to my favorite restaurant. I'm excited because there's a hostess there that I know because I built a relationship there. I have equity at the 110 Grill. And uh, they see me coming from a mile away. Oh, here comes PD. You know what I mean? He's going to come in. And so I'm looking for the hostess that I know, and she's not there. I'm like, ah, oh, man, it's a new hostess. And, and nothing against, she's probably sweet as pie, but she really made me mad that day. And she, uh, she's got her head down, and she's just not paying attention, and She's just like chewing gum real loud and <sighs> 54, 54, you know. Meanwhile, there's a line out the door and tables open everywhere. In my brain, I'm thinking, if she had an ownership mentality, if she wasn't just, I'm just a hostess, I'm just an employee, all those tables would be filled. Are you tracking with me? This is what the spirit of sonship looks like, okay? If you see yourself as an employee, if you see yourself as a Christian employee, you can still be working for God, but with the wrong spirit. Many people are working for God, uh, Christian employees, but they're doing it with the wrong spirit. And some of you were a Christian employee, and you quit your job because you did it with the wrong spirit. Ooh, that's a big one. Okay, so, so here's the thing. The son is an heir. The son is an heir. In other words, we talk, we're going to talk about heirs, what that means, but it means that it's your business. God's business is your business. What's happening here, this isn't my house, this is your house. I'm interested sometimes, I'll be around people, they've been in the, our church maybe years, maybe two, three, four years, stuff like that, and they'll come up, they'll just come, oh, that was a great message, I so, I so love your church. And as soon as they say that, I want to be like, what are you talking about? My church. This is, come on, our church. What is it, my church? See, your language is differentiating whether you see yourself as a son or a slave by what you say. This isn't my church. This is our church, everybody. This isn't my house. This is our house. I I don't work for God. I work with God. I work with God. I'm on the same team. I'm an owner. Do you guys see the difference? In, In our next steps, which is, happens every single week. I encourage you to, to, to do that. It helps you on your spiritual journey. We don't want people to go on that because we need you. You need to do it so you'll grow. That's why, that's why we take people on next steps. But I used to teach the first step live, and I missed that, to be honest with you, but through the use of technology, we can reach more people, praise the Lord, and I'm thankful for that. And, um, but I, when, when I taught it, I used to teach like our vision. That's kind of like why we do church. I used to teach uh, you know, our strategy, how we do church. I used to teach our 
in this first class in particular, I used to teach uh, our government, how we're structured, who's this joker accountable to, how we set up, how do I make sure I can really invest my life here and it's going to be okay. You know, I've seen a lot of churches go through ups and downs and divisions and problems and all that. And then we talk about money. People want to know about that. How do we handle money? What do we do with money? I deal with all the tough things. I call it kicking the tires. Before you buy a car, you want to kind of kick the tires to make sure so people can have an informed decision before they invest their lives. But when I'm done that process, and it's kind of accelerated now because we do it during the second service, when I'm done that process, I'll say, I'll say something like, now that you've been able to listen to this and receive this and process this, if this becomes your church and I become your pastor, then these chairs aren't my chairs, these are our chairs. And that drum set isn't my drum set, that's our drum set. And this TV isn't my TV, this is our TV. And the guests that are coming in, that's not, that's not my guest, that's our guest. And the paper that's on the floor, that's not somebody else's job, that's my, this is ours. Does everybody get what I'm saying? Because when this becomes your church, now this becomes a family business, you become an owner, you become a son and daughter in the family business. I don't want your signature I, God wants your heart. Is everybody tracking? It changes everything when you receive this spirit of sonship. In Romans chapter 8, verse 17, the Bible says, Now we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and this is so powerful, co-heirs with Christ. So in other words, in God's mind, everything that he has is yours. I don't know if sometimes we understand that, we fully appreciate that, and I don't know that sometimes we experience that. I'm going to tell you why in just a second, and it's because, and, and there's bad press out on the, the message of prosperity, and so I'm not going to, I believe God wants us to prosper even as your soul prospers. That basically means he doesn't want you just to prosper financially, and I'll come back to that. He wants you to prosper in every way. I think God wants to bless you enormously, not so you can have it, but so you can be a conduit for it. God's blessed you, Genesis 12, 2. You're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. And he knows when you've, re when you've received grace, and you've, ex you've been adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters of God, he knows that within the family business, you, you will, whatever you receive from him, you're going to want to give away through the family business. And so, so, and when that happens, in fact, I don't pray for God to meet all my needs. I pray for God to give me more than I need. Why? Why? Because I'm a son, and I believe he'll give me more than I need because he knows I'm about the father's business. See, that'll preach better than you guys are amen in right now. I don't think you understand. God will bless you more and more when you have, an, you have an heir mentality, you have a son mentality. You're not blessed to get more for yourself. That's why sometimes you're not willing to say, God, uh, give me more than I need because you're thinking about you. But if you're, if you're, a, if you're a son, if you're a daughter, if you're an owner, if you see this through the lens of a family business, you want every table filled. You want everybody to have a seat in the house of God. You don't want one seat to be empty. You don't want one soul to go to hell. You don't want one person who's not having their needs met. You just want God to give me more so I can bless people even more and help even more people. Come on, somebody. That's what it's all about. And that's the balance to the prosperity message out there. God, don't just give me what I need. Give me more than what I need because I'm a part of the family business. I'm an heir uh, with God, not, not just uh, for God, excuse me. And so I think what happens sometimes is people, you know, they, they have a hard time with this because they think people need to change first. 
You know, I hear what you're saying, this whole thing about grace, grace. Everybody just needs grace. People need to change, though, Pastor. And I'm just here to say they can't change without grace. And grace is free. And if you can't freely receive it, you'll ask for people to pay for it. See, if you can't receive it by grace through faith as a free gift from God, you won't freely give it away. Everybody to get your grace, to be in your good graces, to be blessed by you, there's going to have to be some reciprocity, some some borrow and barter. There's going to have to be some deal made or cut between people. And so God knows, nope, you got to get this first part right. The power and the fuel to do what's right, to give away what God has given you, is to receive grace freely. 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 You can't do anything for it. And if you do get that right first, and when you do, then here's what happens. Philippians 2. This is so cool. I can you tell I'm excited? It's third service. I don't even know where all this energy is coming from. It's just because you guys have been so responsive, and you're just, just, just getting it, and it's just all these amens, and people are excited and smiling at me, and nobody's falling asleep in this house, and praise the Lord. So if you're falling asleep as the devil, let me just tell you something like that, because right now I am preaching here. Okay, Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, work hard to show the results. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Oh, look at that. It says, work hard, pastor. Thought it was free. No, 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 no. It's saying work hard to show the results of salvation. See, salvation already came by grace through faith. It was free. Now, what you work hard to do is show the results of that grace you were given. How do you do that? Obeying God in in deep reverence and fear. How do you do that? Well, here's the dream verse right here. He says, for God is working in you. Only if you receive grace first can that happen. But now this is what happens. Giving you the desire... This is so powerful. See, God doesn't want you to have to do something. He wants you to want to do something. He's not trying to say, you got a debt. you got to pay me back. You owe me. No, he's want, he wants you to want to do these things for him. He doesn't, he, doesn't wanna, he doesn't want you to give out obedience. He wants you to want to give in obedience. Oh, Jesus this is so good. For God is working in you, giving you the desire Uh, taking that have to out, that get to out, that obligation out, that duty out. And so what happens is because you've received grace first, then your motivation changes, the fuel comes through the relationship with God, the desires change, and as a result, and the power comes to do what pleases him. So you can do something out of discipline and demand, or you can do something by receiving grace and have a revelation of grace, then God gives you the desire and the corresponding power to do what pleases him. That's the Christian experience. That's what it means to live in the tree of life, not in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Wouldn't it be better not to have to live as a result of discipline and demand because I said so and that settles it and you gotta and you better versus I want to. Oh, this is so awesome. Thank you, God, so much that you paid my debt. Thank you so much. I didn't deserve it, but you gave it to me anyway and I I just can't even stop thinking about what you did for me and the desire to please you is all there. And then God says, Power that person to do my will. Give them what they need to be able to do my will. Amen. I'm telling you what. So here's another contrast. The slave is driven by duty. I don't know why I'm so excited, but I am. The slave is driven by duty. In other words, people who have this slave mentality, they're just grumbling. Grumbling, grumbling, grumbling all the time. Oh, I'm just praying. i got to pray. pastor says I need to pray. I better pray. And you're praying like 15 minutes, and you're repeating yourself already. Oh, i got nothing else to say. You know, I, I need to be taught. I need another thing to pray. You know, I need somebody help me out. Just, your prayers are all just grumbly. 
And then Pastor Mark gets on a TV screen and says, hey, we've got this exciting thing called the unsale, and we've got a great opportunity for you to serve. And people that are sons are like, that's so awesome. I can't wait to do it. I love when we do things for our community. The turkey outreach was so fun. These things don't come fast enough. And the people that are serving as slaves are like, you know, it's just now he wants my Saturday. He wants Sunday, and then he wanted Wednesday for my kids, and he wants me to go to small group. Now he wants You see what I'm talking about, everybody? It's a spirit. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. Yeah. Yeah. You went to that church. Oh, we better get, get to be here in church. You better be here in church. You better be in small group. You better, better do this. You better give. You better serve. You better do this. You better serve that way. I ain't giving up my Saturdays. I ain't giving up my Sundays either. I'm going to take the whole summer off. Show him. Show him. I won't even show up. <laughs> but the sun, come on, is driven by what? By what? Devotion. This is, I, I love to be in church. I love to be in the house of God. I don't care. You know, like I said, if there's a ukulele up here, no lights, you know, it's not a smoke show. It's a place could be on fire. I don't care. I'm showing up at church because I love God. Better a one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. That's the spirit of sonship, everybody. One of our core values is worship. And, and anything that you love, it shows. We, 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 it, the sun shows that. They're serving, they're worshiping, they're doing different things. It comes, it comes with the right spirit. Let me tell you something, it's a choice. It's a choice to stay in that tree, to stay in that lane. Look at this. In Luke chapter 10, here's a famous and perfect example of this. Jesus talking to Mary and Martha. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now notice this, look at me. They both loved Jesus. They both loved Jesus, but they both were loving him with the wrong spirit. Okay? See, see, you can, you can be a Christian employee doing things for God, but with the wrong spirit. You might love him, but you're doing it with the wrong spirit. And you know what happens is Christian employees quit their jobs. They quit their commitments. They divorce themselves ultimately from God because they're doing it with the wrong spirit. And so... Look at this. The Bible, the Bible basically says, um, <laughs> she came to him and asked. She, she, where is it? You sat at the Lord's table, face listening to him. And he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Lord, don't you care about all that my sister has left with me? And I don't work this by myself, and this kitchen's a mess, and there's nothing to drink, and there's no, all the people don't have, nobody's here to help me. Nobody showed up, and all the volunteers didn't come. Blah, 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 blah. That's what she's doing. It's in the Bible. Is everybody tracking with me? This wrong spirit. And so Jesus, come on, Jesus corrects. It's not obeying me. Jesus corrects him and it says, tell her, uh, tell them to help me, Martha. Tell them to help me. Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Wrong spirit, Martha. But few things are needed or indeed only one Mary has, look at this word, everybody say it, chosen. What is better? See, you have a choice. You have a choice to be a slave or a son. I'm, I'm hot on this in my, my marital life. I'm hot on this in my family life. I'm hot on this in the church. When I say hot, I mean it's an important subject right now. What's the spirit on my house? What's the spirit on the house of the Lord in our church? See, we have to be operating as sons and daughters of God. You have to have this, this right attitude, this right mentality, this right mindset. You need to receive this spirit of adoption. Years ago, we had a ministry 
I can't do this f- justice, but, but it was a cafe, and we used to just serve like d- tons of people, and we had one service, and we'd walk over, and, and, and we had all these volunteers that would serve people. And I can remember telling the, the two leaders, I said, if, if we don't have the right spirit, I'll shut it down. And so we'd have all these people lined up, and we're feeding the meals, and then I would go through the kitchen, and I was just I was trying to get the feel. Are we having fun? Is this a joy? You know, is this devotion or is this duty? Is this sonship or slavery? What is it? And I'll be honest with you, the real reason that that stopped was because it didn't have the right spirit on it. It was changing our house. It was changing our house. So how do we, how do we maintain this spirit of sonship? Uh, Galatians chapter 4 uh, gives us the answer. The Apostle Paul basically talks about this. He says, he says formerly, when you did not know God... There's the answer right there, by the way. Know God. What's the answer to sonship? Knowing God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, there's the relationship, how is it that you chose to turn back to those weak, miserable, tree of knowledge of good and evil, Old Testament, human effort, works, ways? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? I don't. So how do we stop that? Let me give you three, three kind of secrets to stay living in a life-giving relationship with God, uh, uh, keeping the spirit of sonship. Here's the first one. Write this down. See God as a father. Are you guys getting something out of this, everybody? See God as a father. Now, now this starts with your eyes. I say this all the time, but your, relationship, your view of God will determine your relationship with God. Your view of him will determine your relationship with him. If you see him one way, it's going to affect everything. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 and following, it says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if or asks for fish, or will give him a snake? Nobody does that, right? If then, you, though you are evil, basically you're not perfect, you're, you're, you're sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, and you guys do that all the time, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those ask him. So Jesus at that time is trying to revolutionize their thinking. God's not mad at you. God's not angry with you. God wants to bless you enormously as a part of the family business, as a part of relationship, as a part of sonship. But the problem I submit to you is we as a culture today, this is a generalization, have daddy issues we have big-time daddy issues. And some of you, I bet you, I, I, I don't have to survey here, but, but there will be dozens of people in this room who have earthly father issues. And, the reason, and, 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 and there's a reason for that, and I'll come back to that, but it is infecting and affecting your vertical relationship with God because of your negative horizontal relationship with God. Listen to me on this, though. If you can expose the plan of the devil, the sniper in the bushes, then sometimes the light on that subject will help you overcome the problem. Is everybody tracking with me with what I just said? So the, devil was, the devil's plot was not to try to destroy your relationship with your earthly father. That wasn't really the end game. The end game was by destroying you or hurting your relationship with your father, it would ultimately hurt your relationship with your heavenly father. And what happened in an earthly relationship You've chosen, maybe, to hold accountable God for what happened through a human being. You've held God, a heavenly father, accountable for that. And you need to see your father different because he's not like your earthly father. 
I've had many occasion to minister to people on this subject. Uh, I had two friends who had major, major daddy issues. Uh, I, I think all of us in a measure come from dysfunction to, to some degree or another. But I can remember telling this particular person, you need to get healed or that's going to affect every relationship in your life. And you cannot hold God in heaven and hold him accountable for your experiences with people on earth. And so if you could see God right, it would change all of your relationships. If you could see as God sees, you could do as God says. That's what would happen. And here's the, here's the second secret. Here's the second secret. Your approach to God should be through relationship and not rules. Relationship and not rules. Now, I'm all for rules. Trust me, I like rules. My wife likes rules even more, but different rules. We both like different kinds of rules. I like routines. I like what we're going to do in the morning. I like things like that. She likes how we put silverware in the dishwasher. Uh, and so I just think that's not important. But anyway, uh, praise the Lord, she's not here. Um, but we had rules. You know, when the kids grew up with four different kids, we had rules for raising kids. When the kids wanted to say something to us, you know, we watched and we learned from other people this kind of stuff. But we used to watch kids interrupt you. You know how kids would interrupt you when you're talking? Mommy, 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 mommy. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what I thought when kids do that. You know what I mean? But... It, it was corporal in nature, okay, and, and, and duct tape was involved in my mind. But, but when that's happening, it's like, I thank God for this rule. I learned this rule that our kid, we taught our kids, if you want to say something to us, you just have to, don't say a word, just put your hand on us, we'll know you're there. Now, what we would do is, I'd be talking to Pastor Deej, and then Madison would come over, and she'd want to say something to me, and it was really important to her, but she just, she kind of self-controlled, and she'd put her hand on my, on my side. And then I said, Madison, just one second, Dad, I'd be right with you. And I acknowledged her quickly, that was kind of our, parental response to and honoring their honor and so I, uh, pastor uh, when you're done just and then i wait to like a little pause and i go okay honey what you, what you need baby thanks for waiting and then you beautiful right all the parents are like getting something out of this right now you guys you guys getting blessed right now okay we had another rule like when the kids got older and they wanted to do something want to go sleep over they want to go to six flags they want to all these different things they want to do we had a 24-hour rule you have to give us your plans 24 if you give us we reserve the right to say no if you give us like a minute to make a decision and so you, if you give it to us 24 hours in advance, there's more likely chance that you're going to get a yes. Am I helping some parents out right here in this room? Okay. And so we had all kinds of rules. We had rules for money, you know, how you can make money. We had rules for appealing decisions. And all, and all the rules are great. But once in a while, you had to fall into the favor or you could fall into the favor of the father. It just went outside of the rules. And I, and I remember living down the street here. And my, my daughter Mallory comes to mind, and she, I was doing my sermon prep, and she came and she sat at the dinner table where I was doing my sermon prep, and, and I, was, I was just, I was in thought, you know, I was like, I was in the zone. And I'm like, oh, she's trying, I'm like, just one second, honey, just one second, and I'm just, bam, what do you need, what do you need, what do you need? She's like, nothing. Okay, uh, my daughter is sitting down at the table beside me, obviously she needs something. Right? What kid sits down beside you? I don't need anything. So I go, honey, honey, what do you want? Honey, what do you need? She goes, nothing, Dad. I go, Mallory, come on. What do, you, what do you need? Daddy's working. What do you need? She goes, nothing, Dad. I just wanted to sit down with you and just kind of see what you're doing. And I'm like, really? Are you serious right now? Like, what? I say, so you don't, you don't want anything? She says, no, no, no. I just thought we could just hang out. Like, when you're done, maybe, we, you know, I don't know. We could watch some TV together. We could go outside, you know, take a walk, something like that. I'm like, what? Really? And then, and then just this, 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 this approach just sunk in, and, and it just started overwhelming me. And I'm just like, I just remember back in the day, kids, we had these things called checks. I pulled my checkbook out, and I just said, honey, whatever you want, blank check. You can have it. You know, name it. It's yours. You know, and, 
And it was because of her approach to her father. See, how do you maintain the spirit of sonship? How do you maintain knowing God the right way? You have to see him right, and you have to approach him right. Does everybody track with me? My last point. Everybody say last point. You got to give God your whole heart. You got to give God your whole heart. See, I, I, Jeremiah 29 says it like this. It says, you will seek me, and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Everybody say all of your heart. And then he goes on and says, I will be found by you. In other words, he can be found if or when you go all in. That's what that verse is saying right there. And I want to submit to you that there are some people that you know that have fallen away from God. There are some of you that are living in this Christian employee mode right now. And, and, and you're gritting it out and you're white knuckling it, you know, hoping you can do right. But you're really not enjoying the Christian experience. You're just barely hanging on, you know. And I would submit to you that some of it is because you're not all in. I've never met a full-time, all-in, all-out, give their whole heart to, to, to Jesus Christian who fell away from God. But I've met many part-timers that fell away from God. Many people that gave in part their heart to God. And, and this is an attitude more than a behavior. And I learned yesterday the best things in life require that you go all in watching my daughter go through this pregnancy and this experience and, and the realization that giving it your all is totally worth it. The Bible says and references this in the book of Matthew that a woman who's gone through the travail, the, the painful travail, it says she remembers it no more when the baby comes, when the child is born. Why would she, I, I, you know, I was watching, she had a really tough, tough go, guys, and, and we're all, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, she, it's, it's so bad for her, I'm going to talk in tongues because nobody knows what I'm talking about right now, I can't even, but watching her go through it, listening to her go through that, experiencing that, it's just, I would have done anything to take that away, you know, that kind of pain away for her. But why did she do it, you know? Why would she go through it? Because she just wants to know Hudson more than anything. She wanted to, like Jeremiah says, seek his face. You know, hold, hold, hold him, you know, have him smile at her. So the months of anticipation, the, the incubation, the... The, the expectation. Why did she go all through that? Because it would eventually come to joy of knowing and having a personal, permanent relationship with her son, with her son. And the revelation and the reward came after she gave it her all. And see, so, so some of you... You're, you, you, don't, you want the revelation, you want the reward, you want the aha moment, you want the, the blessing, you want the, the attitude and all those kind of things. No, these are choices you make, and then you make that choice, and you go all in, and you give your whole heart to God. I want to pray for you right where you are. Would you just close your eyes? Let me pray for you. Because relationship changes everything if you get it right. It changes everything if you get it right. Let's just, no moving around, let's just be very still. Let's just have a holy moment here at Connect, this third service. I believe there's something special going on in this house. I think, I think there are people here that would just say, you've described my current condition, Pastor Derek, and I want to change. I, I want to know him. I want to be known by him. I want to have, I want to have that son spirit upon me. I want to have that spirit of adoption this morning. I want to receive that in Jesus' name. If that's you and you know that I'm not talking about you becoming a Christian or having the eternal security of salvation or meeting Jesus for the first time. I'm talking about uh, coming into the family business, having an ownership mentality, being a son. 
being adopted and having that attitude, walking out of here a different person because if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Come on, boldly raise that with courage. God bless you. All over the room, all over the room. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. In fact, put them right on your heart. I want to pray for you right where you are. And, and, and this is not because I don't need some of this myself, and so I'm, I'm, but I'm praying this as the vehicle and as the instrument. Father, in Jesus' name, for every person, I pray Philippians 2, over every person who sincerely raised their hand in boldness and courage, that you would give them the, that you would adopt them, God, that they would receive the spirit of sonship in Jesus' name, that there be something supernatural that happens uh, inside of them. Lord, they realize and have a revelation of your grace, that, Father, as a result of that revelation of your grace and what you did for them, uh, that they would, uh, des- their desires would change. Their desires would change. And as a result, their desires, God, would be accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit to do what pleases God in Jesus' name. I pray for something supernatural to happen here as a result of that. Uh, they're going, right now, they're going from slaves to sons. They're going right now from just employees to, to, uh, to family business owners in the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. And if you're here today, this is a different group I'm coming to. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never made that personal connection with Jesus Christ, and you're here and a lot of the stuff, yeah, it's new to you, it didn't make sense, but, but, but something's happening on, your, on the door of your heart. Something's happening on the outside of you that, 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 that's churning and stirring something on the inside of you. That's because there's, there's a void and, and, and there's, a, there's, there, there's a vacuum. The Bible says eternity was placed in the heart of man. And only God, that hole that you fill, only God, only Jesus can fill that, to be specific. But you, sir, man, boy, or girl, have to say yes to Jesus. Invite him into your life of your own free will and volition. He will not impose himself on you. Going to church won't do it. Saying, you know, doing up-down turnarounds, reading your Bible won't do it. No, you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus came from heaven to earth lived a sinless life, died to pay for your sins and the realization that he did that for you and then of course rose on the third day because he did that for you. That grace was made available for you. You can be saved and you can have eternal security. If that's something you want, I want you to raise your hand right now boldly. Say, that's me, Pastor. I don't want to miss out on that. Pray for me. Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. That's awesome. Is there anybody else that says yes? Just me, you and God. Is there anybody else? God bless you. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. You're awesome. Thank you. I want the whole church to pray this prayer with me. And those that just raised your hand, would you pray? Let's pray with conviction. Say this. Say, Jesus, today is the day of my salvation. I accept by faith your grace for me. You paid for my sin, the past, the present, and my future sins on Calvary 2,000 years ago. And I thank you for that. And I believe that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will give me the desires that I should have and the power to do what pleases you in Jesus' name. And all God's church said, amen. Come on, all the sons and daughters, let's give God a big hand clap. Amen, amen.